Welcome to the Building Great Lives podcast, a podcast about real life, real issues, and finding real answers to life's most difficult questions. And now your host, Trent Gillum. Greetings, everyone. Trent here. Welcome to episode number 70 of the podcast. I'm glad you've joined the Building Great Lives journey. Before we get started, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our monthly ministry partners and to you, the listener. You make this ministry possible, and I'm excited to have you on the Building Great Lives team here at the Building Great Lives podcast. It's our desire to help people from around the world grow heal, discover, and fulfill their unique purpose. Thank you for sharing these episodes. We're praying these messages of hope reach every possible person in every possible nation. If you're enjoying these episodes and you have a moment to spare, I would be so honored if you would tap that five-star rating on Apple Podcast or on your preferred listening platform. It really does help us reach and get this word out to other people. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of evaluating our weaknesses and the benefits of putting safeguards in place. Every single one of us have strengths and weaknesses. Naturally, we spend a lot more time reinforcing our strengths. I don't know anyone that enjoys dealing with personal areas of weakness. However, we must be cautious that we do not ignore our weaknesses because ignored weaknesses can destroy lives, marriages, families, reputations, and ministries. And I find it intriguing that many of the people in the Bible who were the strongest also struggled with corresponding weaknesses. How about Samson, for instance? If I were to ask you, who's the strongest man in the Bible? You would probably say Samson, and you wouldn't be wrong. As we'll discuss in more detail later, Samson was strong. However, Samson was also weak. He could not control his own passions and ended up revealing the source of his strength, being defeated by the Philistines and having his eyes plucked out. Such a strong man ends up being led to the pillars by a child. How about Moses? Numbers chapter 12 verse 3 tells us that Moses was the most meek man on the earth. Yet Moses lost his chance to go into Canaan because he lost his cool with God's people. He disobeyed God and took partial credit for bringing water from the rock. According to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 10, the meekest man failed because of a lack of meekness. How about Solomon? Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. His wisdom was his strength. Over his 40-year reign, he did many great things and built many great things and made many great judgments. But Solomon also had 
weaknesses. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, many from foreign lands who did not worship the one true living God. And because of this, the inevitable happened. His wives and concubines lured him away from the true God into worshiping false gods and idols. The wisest man succumbed to the temptations of weaker men. And we have a strong man who is weak, a meek man who had lost self-control, and a wise man who acted foolishly. What in the world is going on here? The fact is, while having a weakness is normal, their failures were preventable. When we acknowledge our weaknesses, it gives us the opportunity to put safety measures in place that can help prevent us from failing. Now, I'm not insinuating that you should shout out your struggles from the rooftop so that all could know them. I'm certainly not recommending that. And I am talking about taking an honest self-evaluation. That's how we set real guidelines and roadblocks. Acknowledging weaknesses gives us the opportunity to establish roadblocks that will help us avoid falling into temptation. And while Being tempted is not a sin. Temptation is the devil's attempt to use our weaknesses against us. And so the goal of this episode is to help you recognize the warning signs and encourage you to set safety measures in place in your life. It's not our strength that destroys us. It's failing to establish safeguards against our weaknesses that destroys us. I've known powerful people that were gifted in many areas. I've seen them fall into sin because they placed so much trust in their strengths that they ignored their weaknesses. Their first failure was failing to set up preventative measures in their lives. Relying on gifts and talents alone isn't enough to overcome our weaknesses. This could be said about many people. The Bible tells us that Saul had many strengths. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, we find that he hid himself when he was called out to be anointed. Many commentaries state that this was a sign that he was humble in nature. He was head and shoulders above the others. He had a strong presence among the people. The prophet Samuel declared that Saul was chosen by the Lord, so he had a calling of God on his life. He had the approval of the people because they shouted, God save the king, and he had the authority of the king, and we find that he conquered many, and he won many victories, driving out many enemies that rose up against Israel. So many strengths in this man, so many victories. But along with his strengths, Saul, like all of us, also had many weaknesses. He was given to jealousy, fits of rage and loss of self-control. He abused his authority and without regard for others, he put the kingdom in peril for his own pursuits. He let his emotions make critical decisions instead of following the word of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 17, 
we find something very powerful. It said, and Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. When Saul was little in his own sight, he recognized his inabilities. He recognized his weaknesses. He recognized, I can't do this on my own. And he was not just focused on being the king and his strengths, but he acknowledged his weaknesses. But then the Bible tells us that when he was no longer little in his own eyes, He began to focus more on his own desires. His emotions began to reign. His weaknesses began to reveal themselves, and his flesh was out of control. When he became mighty in his own eyes, he started letting his weaknesses make decisions for him. We must be very cautious that we remain knowledgeable of our weaknesses so that we do not think ourselves mighty, because when we do, we will fall. We need to know our weaknesses. And while we acknowledge our strength and we thank God for our calling, at the same time, we are very aware that our flesh, if given the opportunity, can get out of control. And so it is a must that we set up safeguards in our lives to keep our flesh from getting out of control and destroying us. David was the same way. David was anointed to be king. He was anointed by the hand of God to deliver Israel. He defeated the giant Goliath. He drove out the Philistines. He was established by the power of God. And I want you to notice something that David said in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 39. I have read through this text many times, but never noticed this. At his coronation day, David says this, and I am this day weak, though anointed king. When he acknowledged his weaknesses, he was mightily used by God. Now notice what happened when David failed to guard against his weaknesses. And to understand this, we've got to go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number 8. David is now standing on the rooftop. His time to be at battle is there, but he is not there in the battle with other kings. He has sent Joab, and he is heading toward the edge of his roof. And all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 8, it says, When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine own house, if any man fall from thence. A battlement is defined as a rooftop wall common on ancient Middle Eastern homes that provided privacy and protection for those using the roof. It was very common in those days for them to sleep on the roof when it was hot and for them to have get-togethers and they would eat on the roof. The battlements were set there to keep others from falling off but also to be a privacy wall to protect the eyes of the people that were around. Remember, David is now awake from his nap, and he is walking toward the edge of his roof, where we know that he will see Bathsheba bathing. How is this possible? Well, to really understand that, we have to look at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. We know that as David grew great, 
The Lord of hosts was with him, and Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. Hiram was the very friendly king of Tyre. He was not Jewish. He did not live under Jewish laws. He did not build homes according to Deuteronomy 22 and 8. He did not have battlements. He supplied the cedars, the materials, and the design and the workforce for David's house. David's house was built according to the Phoenician architectural. It had porches all around it, but not by Jewish design or law with battlements on top or high privacy wall on his roof. And 2 Samuel 11 and 2 tells us, And it came to pass an evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David had been strong. David had done great exploits. But when David didn't have safety measures in place, his weaknesses overtook him. We must have safety measures in place to protect ourselves. We do not want to be mighty, but yet fall to our weaknesses like David did. We must make sure to have safety measures in place. We can't discuss this topic without looking at the life of Samson. Samson was called to be a judge over Israel. The Lord foretold that Samson would lead the Israelites against the Philistines. He took the Nazarite vow to abstain from wine, never cut his hair, and not touch a dead corpse. Because of this vow, Samson was very strong. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord would come upon Samson and he would do mighty acts. There was a time that he killed 30 men at once took their garments. It was another time that the Philistines tried to capture Samson and he killed 1,000 of them with the jawbone of a donkey. Another time the people of Gaza were waiting to kill Samson at dawn, but in the middle of the night he left the city, tearing off the city gates and carrying them all the way to Hebron. Samson was very strong, but Samson also had weaknesses. He was arrogant in his strength and often flippant with his vows. And there was a woman named Delilah. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 16, the first time that the Philistines come to her and told her to find out the source of Samson's strength. Verses 4 through 6 gives us the first occurrence. Verses 10 through 12 gives us the second occurrence. And verses 13 through 14 gives us the third occurrence. And after all three of these attempts, Samson had been so flippant with his vow and got so close to the edge that he had lied to her and then shook himself. And the Spirit of the Lord would come and his strength would be renewed and he would kill all of those that rose up against him. But there came a time that Delilah began to grieve him and she come to him every day she began to talk to him and she said, how canest thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and has not told me wherein thy great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him 
so that his soul was vexed unto death. Verse 17 of Judges chapter 16 tells us that the fourth time he admits what his strength is, took the seven locks of his hair and cut his hair. And when the Philistines came in and Delilah hollered, Samson, their Philistines are upon thee. And he rose up and shook himself as he had in times past. But now there is no strength that comes to him. It must have been jarring a man that had been so close to the edge many times now shook himself to only find that he had gone over the edge and his strength was gone. A man that had been so strong, his eyes are plucked out, and he's led to the pillars by a child. Samson took his strength for granted and never saw the need to set up roadblocks along the way. Samson refused to acknowledge his weakness. He only focused on shaking himself and his strength returning, and because of this, he failed. I could ask you, what are two of the most dangerous places to be? And when you think of dangerous places, a certain city or country may come to mind. But none of those are the most dangerous places to be. So what are the most dangerous places to be? I submit to you the most dangerous places to be is strong and know it, self-sufficient and believe it. These lead to arrogance. Arrogance will cause us to at best unknowingly miss or at worst ignore warning signs. Don't let confidence become arrogance. We should be confident but self-aware enough not to be overconfident. Paul instructed the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So how can we set up safety measures in our lives? Well, let's look at rumble strips, guardrails, and roadblocks. And you may be thinking, what in the world does rumble strips, guardrails, and roadblocks have to do with setting up safety measures in our lives? Well, a rumble strip, they are early warning signs. A rumble strip, also known as sleeper lines or alert strips, are a road safety feature to alert inattentive drivers of potential danger by causing a tactical vibration and audible rumbling transmitted through the wheels into the vehicle interior. A rumble strip is applied along the direction of travel following on the edge line or center line to alert drivers when they drift from their lane. These rumble strips are warning signs to a driver. You're not paying attention. You're beginning to drift. Many times I have been looking down or felt myself falling to sleep only to have my tires run over the sideline and begin to hit those rumble strips and the jarring feeling and the sound wake you up instantly or make you look up instantly and you go, whew, I was drifting without even realizing it. But these Rumble strips represent early warning signs. We need spiritual rumble strips in our lives. We need to set up some early warning procedures in our lives that can help us recognize when we are beginning to drift away from the things of God. 
guardrails. A guardrail is a barrier that provides a barrier of protection and helps prevent vehicles from veering off the road. Guardrails are usually set up many times in mountain places, many times over rivers. These guardrails prevent a driver who might run past the rumble strip and gives them the opportunity of protection. It's another layer of protection. We need guardrails in our lives. We need these spiritual guardrails, these safety measures to keep us from going over the edge And roadblocks. A roadblock is a barrier or barricade set up to stop traffic from proceeding any further to avoid danger. Many times they'll set up a roadblock before a bridge is out. And thankfully, we can learn a great lesson from this because they set up the barricades not at the edge of where the bridge fell, but way before because they are warning you, slow down, slow down, stop. Road is out ahead. Bridge is out ahead. You've got to have these roadblocks in your life. So why should we have these spiritual roadblocks set up in our lives? Because our flesh has proven time and again to be untrustworthy. These roadblocks are set up so that we can know we're about to go too far. And I recommend setting up roadblocks further from the edge than even necessary. And you may be thinking, well, why would I do that? Well, if you set them up further than necessary, if you were to find yourself running through them, you still have enough room to stop yourself and avoid the fall. We should set roadblocks that we refuse to cross. You should have a plan. Make up your mind ahead of time. The choice is ours to make. We must choose to do right even in the face of temptation. Have your plan and respond to the early warning signs so that you can make your stand for right. Maybe you need to make a list of your struggles. Be honest. You don't necessarily have to tell everyone. Maybe you need an accountability partner, a spouse, a pastor, a trusted friend. But You need to make that mental list of your struggles. Be honest. It is not easy to do. We want to make lists of our strengths, but I think we need to not avoid making a list of our weaknesses so that we can grow in our strengths. The enemy would love nothing more than to destroy you and bring you down and attack you in your weakest moments. But I know that God is going to help give you wisdom to set the proper barriers in place so that you can yield to the early warning signs. And as has become our tradition here at the Building Great Lives podcast, I want to pray for you, listener. Lord, I pray that as each listener examines the reality of their own weaknesses, remind them, Lord, that you will be a strength to them. God, I pray that if someone is crossing over the rumble strip, or the guardrail, and they're approaching the barricade. God, I pray that you would stop them immediately. Stir them, Lord. Remind them that other people are depending upon them. And Lord, I pray that you help them make the right decisions to pull back. Thank God for the early warning signs of conviction. I purposely did not give a list 
of guardrails or safety guidelines because even though all of us have weaknesses, not all of our weaknesses are the same. And that's why it's important that you take an honest self-evaluation to make sure that you set safety measures in place that work for your circumstance. And as always, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, maybe text them the link or share it on your social. You can find me on social at Trent Gillum. That's G-I-L-L-I-A-M. On Instagram at Rev Gillum. You can also reach me at Building Great Lives Podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, let's keep building. You've been listening to the Building Great Lives Podcast, a member of the Real Life Church Network. Join us next time as we dig deeper into life's most challenging questions. 